Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to High School Hero this week. Uh, we have a Anzac Day special. Soldier Sapper Curtis McGrath joins me today. Uh, Curtis is the current K1 and V1 200 meter world champion in kayaking. He is also the reigning Paralympian champion for K1 200 meter kayak sprint. Uh, I've known Curtis for 16 years. I went to high school with him uh, and he's a very good friend of mine. In 2012, Curtis headed off to Afghan to serve for the Aussie Army. While on duty, he stood on an improvised explosive device and lost both his legs. But this podcast is a candid interview with Kurt and how his life has been since that injury and what happened on that terrible day. Curtis loves rugby, so we're going to review the weekend's action and get his thoughts on that coming from a professional athlete like himself. Uh, he loves the Crusaders, which is probably one of his downfalls, but... We're going to review that. Hopefully you guys enjoy the podcast. It's a really good listen. Curtis gives some good insight to rugby and how his life is now uh, being a professional athlete and some of the obstacles he's had to overcome. But the podcast is a little bit different to maybe his normal interviews, a little bit more candid. Obviously me and him are good friends, so we can talk a bit more freely. But I hope you enjoy it, guys. Thanks for listening. Hero, I'm the host Ryan Frisbee. Today we have a very special guest, one of my good friends from back home and uh, current world champion and gold medalist in Paralympian kayaking. How are you, Curtis McGrath? Yeah, good mate, good mate. Thanks for having me. No worries, thanks for coming. Um, so today we're just going to talk about your journey through uh, what you've experienced and also we're going to review a bit of rugby, which I know you love and so does the audience. So so you're obviously a Paralympian. You just want to tell us how you got there, really, how, you, uh, how you're how you participating in that that arena. Yeah, so it's a bit of a long story, but um, so I can sort of divulge into some of the aspects of it. But um, so I I was uh, in the Australian Army as a, a combat engineer and uh, was deployed to Afghanistan in 2012 in June for a six-month deployment. And uh, our role over there in uh Afghanistan was to, to search the, the route ahead for the patrol behind us. So yeah. uh, making sure uh, we're clearing out the, the IEDs. And on about three months into my, my tour, I was uh, we were tasked to go out and establish a, a checkpoint um, in a sort of remote corner of the province that we're in um, on top of a, a previously occupied uh, checkpoint, which uh, the Taliban or the insurgency in the area had pushed out the, um, the Afghan National Police and, and had their way with the area. So they um, laid a lot of IEDs, which is an improvised explosive device, a homemade landmine um, yep. in the ground. And we were finding them uh, as we were moving into this area. Um, it was a five-day patrol. Yep. Um, and the, the process of finding a uh, an IED is um, quite long and obviously quite dangerous, so you need to take your time. Um, so... During that patrol, we'd go probably like a thousand meters, and it would take us about three days. So that's the sort of speed we're talking. So very slow, very methodical. Um, 
On the third day of this patrol, uh, we got a approval to explosively remove a large boulder that was blocking a road so we could get our vehicles up onto the checkpoint properly. We had already searched on top of the checkpoint and we sort of pushed past the rock and progressed through and it was on the the walk sort of towards this boulder that uh, I'd, I'd sort of confused myself because we're working pretty long hours, 16, 17 hour days and and, and the heat and, and physically demanding conditions. So uh, I got confused and went to the wrong rock and um, my mate Pitch came over to me and, and he said, oh, you idiot, you, you're at the wrong rock. And so I picked up my stuff and just bundled off and packed up my metal detector and was just walking along and um, I stepped right on top of a an IED, uh, a small IED about the size of a water bottle on, on a... Uh, uh, part of the road where I, I myself had searched over top of some days prior. So um, that immediately detonated beneath me and uh, taking both my legs and severely injuring my left hand. So um, pretty pretty bad day at work, yeah. you say. Um, not, not the best situation, but um, I was also the, the combat medic for my sort of team. So I was... I was conscious through the whole thing. I remember it all. Um, I was instructing the guys on how to apply the first aid, the tourniquet, the you know the IV fluids, the morphine, um, you know the casualty and bandages, and um, how to sort of transfer me to a to a medical helicopter because um, there's a certain amount of details that you want to put on the person and, and pass on so they don't give you more morphine and subsequently uh, over overdo it. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was a pretty, uh, interesting situation to go through and we, um, you know, as, a, as they bundled me up and, and put me onto a stretcher, they were carrying me to where the helicopter was coming to collect me. Um, and that's when I, I said, uh, you guys will see me in the Paralympics and, uh, it won't be in the green and gold, it'll be in the black and white. And, and the boys, you know, and they said, oh, uh, I suppose you can walk to the chopper then. So, um, you know, it's pretty, pretty uh dark humor but um it was all you know they're, they're the voice going through the trauma too it wasn't just me I, yeah. i'm the one feeling the pain but they're, they're witnessing it as well so just as just as traumatic for them as, as it was for me so yeah so um, obviously some uh definitely a bad day at work um yeah but uh when bad things like this happen there is a i wouldn't say a silver lining but good things can happen from it and um You've obviously done that by winning gold at the Paralympics and world champions and stuff. Can you just tell me what what medals you have won um, since then? And we'll go into go into details a little bit later of uh, how your recovery was and and what you're up mm. to now. But um, what yeah, what, yeah. what what medals have you got at the moment, mate? What what titles do so, you hold? I'm currently uh, a dual world champion in two different um, kayak or canoes craft for world sprint uh, canoe championships so it's a 200 meter uh, event that's over in about 40 to 50 seconds depending on what type of boat i'm in uh, one's an outrigger canoe and the other one's a, just a sprint kayak so these boats are incredibly unforgiving they'll flip you out and um they're, they're very unstable uh, craft but it make, means they're very fast so yeah the World Championships is usually held over in Europe. Um, I'm actually up there in about three weeks for a World Cup, but um, dual World Championship in there, those two, and then uh, also the, the Paralympic gold medal, uh, which is only in the kayak event. 
um, and uh, leading forward into Tokyo, both boat types will be in um, in, the, in the schedule. So um, hopefully I have a shot at two medals there, but um, we'll see how we go leading into it. And uh, you've almost got an unofficial championship as well with your Crusaders winning the Super Rugby last year. I've always wondered. I've always wondered. Um, obviously, I've been mates with you for I think we're up sixteen years this year. Why do you support yeah. the Crusaders? So, as a as a young tapper getting around Christchurch, uh, you start learning what rugby is. So I was five when I moved to Christchurch from the Wanaka region, and um, didn't quite know what rugby was. wasn't too sort of aware of you know other sports other than you know, jumping down the slide and swinging on the swings. So, yeah. um, and then started to, you know, I think that was 1995, we moved to Christchurch. So, obviously, uh, Crusaders had a pretty good run up there in the 96, 97, and got battles with the Blues, so it made for great watching. Um, and that's that's pretty much the reason why I support them, and I have done ever since. And you know, did, I think the first year that the, the, uh, the Super Bowl record, the Super 12 it was at the time, the Crusaders were like second last or something. They were yeah. pretty bad, but the next year they won it. So, so can't can't really yeah. call you a bandwagon uh, supporter because no. you, you did support them when they got second last. So, I guess yeah, we can't yeah, yeah. hold that against you. Um, yeah. But what we'll do, we'll just take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll review this week's action with Curtis and get his views on it. Welcome back. We're just going to review the Super Rugby from the weekend with gold medalist at the Rio Paralympics, Curtis McGrath. We're going to start with my Otago Highlanders against the Blues. Uh, the Landers scored 34 points, one against the Blues 16. The game was over with about 55 minutes, I thought, Kurt. I thought at the 55-minute mark that it was like the 80th minute. The game just went forever. Um, the Blues had all the ball, but just couldn't score any points. Um, I know you didn't. You only just watched the highlights of this game, but what what do you think of it? Well, I think it's a good, good New Zealand derby again. Um, you know, the, the Blues up in Eden Park, you know, they, they tend to struggle with it with the New Zealand Conference at the moment. They're still trying to build themselves, but um, by the look of the stats, the Blues had a lot of ball. They had a, a lot of defenders beaten and. Looks like, like according to the stats, despite the the try the scoreline, the Blues should have won it. But yeah, um, yeah the Highlanders just got that X factor with those the backline that they've got and um, some uh, good running by the big um, Frizzell. Yeah, Shannon Frizzell. The um, well, the mm. land, the Landers' game plan is to kick the ball to the opposition and then they feed off their mistake. So they just love tackling really and wait for the team to make a mistake. The Blues didn't actually make make too many mistakes, but um, they got their, you know, they got the win in the end. So yeah, get get this in in the defence. The Blues made fifty seven tackles and the Highlanders two hundred thirty. Yeah, yeah. I was I was <laughs> checking that Friday night, but yeah, it's obviously gone up. But that's just outrageous. But um, how yep. how many did the Blues miss? Is the stat there or? Um, I think it was like seventeen or something stupid like that. So yeah, fifteen. So I'm no mathematician, what, but that's about yeah. that's terrible. I think it's like sixty six percent or something, but yeah. So yeah, not good, not good. A long way to go for the Blues, but I'll take the win for the Tiger Highlanders. <laughs> uh, the next yeah. game was the Waratahs versus the Lions. 
So the Waratahs scored zero points. Lions 29. It's the first time the Tars have not scored a point in Super Rugby, I believe. Something like 300, I, 300 games. I had the Tars down to win this one, eh? Um, the Lions, you know, coming back from, I believe it was a bye. They had a bye last week. Yeah, and yep. And the travel. But it just shows that they are still the silver medal from last year. Yep. And uh, they still got that um, that power. And uh, Elton Yentes can kick a ball. Yeah. <laughs> Loves kicking a pill. <laughs> yeah. But the Tars, the Tars did create a lot, but just those last pass, last passes didn't work, and then I guess the Tars haven't been up against a dominant forward pack like the Lions, and sure enough, they just I think they they won one scrum against against the Lions, and most of the times the Lions just dominated in all all um, set pieces. So I know uh, you obviously go to Sydney a lot, so you might have a few friends that support the Waratahs, so you can obviously. Give them shit now, so something to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yep, definitely. Like hang shit on people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. The next game: your Crusaders versus the Sun Wolves. Crusaders thirty-three, the Wolves eleven. Um, I'll let you start with this one, mate. How how do you see it go down? Yeah, terrible conditions in Christchurch uh, on uh, Saturday night, and a, a try scored by. The old fatal Ryan Crotty within one minute, so that's quite impressive. They came out of the gates firing, but they uh, sort of slowed down a bit and started playing a bit more conservative, sort of at about twenty minute mark. So a little bit boring by the, the Crusaders, but um, they got the win and, and a bonus point, I think. So yeah, right. a few a, yeah yeah a few things from this game. The the hail that came down at the twenty five minute mark, or whatever, was outrageous. You could hear it like on the camera. It was like it was on your roof. It was quite amazing, actually. And you could see. I wonder if in the in the rules, what size of the hail does the hail have to get for the games paused? You know. Yeah. Well. Like when does the umbrellas yeah. come out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bring on the tarps. Cover the field. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you could you could see the hail bouncing off people's heads like it was. Yeah. It was Oof. nothing I've seen before, eh? But oh, watching this game, watching this game, it was it was one of those games where you like. Halfway through, you're like, shit, the Sunwolves might actually beat the Crusaders here. You know, those yeah. type of games, you have hope, you have hope, and then you're like, oh, nah, they had no hope in hell. Um, <laughs> the Crusaders were yeah. always going to come back. So They got some good players in there, and um, just goes to show that the Sunwolves have got a lot, a lot to, to learn and develop in themselves, and you're still learning. Yeah, exactly. The best one was Israel Dag was back, and so was Owen Franks, actually, but. Israel Dag, his hair looked a little bit thicker. I don't know if you noticed this. Um, well, maybe he knew the forecast for the, the hail. I don't know. Yeah, just just uh, grew it a little bit. But that yeah, m- bit th- of cushion. That man's uh, definitely balding. So he might have done a wee, <laughs> he might have done a wee sneaky sneaky in the in his time he's been injured. But you know, all power right. to him. I guess I don't have that problem, yeah. so I wouldn't know. <laughs> best best hairline oh. in Queensland, they say. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Crusaders get the one there. Next game was last night, the Reds versus the Chiefs. Uh, Reds 12, Chiefs 36. Uh, the Chiefs came out fast. First 25 minutes, scored three tries. Uh, they were looking good, and then my boy Damian McKenzie went off, and nothing really happened after that. But the Reds, unfortunately, just have no attack. They they just can't structure anything to score tries. How do you see it I, um, Yeah, I watched... 
I did watch the highlights of this one. Um, I have not been able to watch any footy in the last sort of two weeks, so it's been quite embarrassing. But the, I watched the highlights on it, and I watched the, the first those first tries that you're talking about, and they, the Reds just are useless at the breakdown. There's no one there to stop those um, those uh, runners off off the back of the ruck. So yeah, they've got, they they got kids the there though. The they got kids there. That's why kids tackling yeah, adults. Yeah. How good was that head on uh, the Tonga Thor? <laughs> the what? The got... No, it wasn't. No, it was him. Caleb Timu yeah. got absolutely smashed. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The, whiplap, the whiplash was so bad that they had to go upstairs to see if it was a head high, but it was just a big shot from uh, Johnny Fa... Uh, Johnny Fa-Tel? Fa-U? Yeah, something. something like that. The 12 yeah. for the Crusaders. We're not being racist. Yeah, it's just him. really hard to pronounce his name. Jonathan Fauli? There you go. Boom. Yeah, that's him. Google's a wonderful thing. Oh, yes. But, yeah, the Chiefs yes, it is. Chiefs usually have a problem with the Reds, but they're always going to win this game. It's a bit of a shame that Damian McKenzie went off um, with a head knock. It was actually Angus Tarval, his, uh, his teammate, came across. Damian McKenzie was making a tackle, and Tarval kneed him in the head. M- Damian McKenzie got up and actually walked about five metres and fell straight on his face, so... He was always going to go off. Yeah, he'll be done for two weeks, I reckon, at least. Yep. Well, it's usually a seven-day at the least turnaround, but, yeah, if you fall straight on your face, you're probably going to have to sit out for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Head knocks aren't fun. No, definitely not. Um, But the next few games, the Bulls bet the Rebels 28-10. It's a pretty good result for the Rebels. Here on High School Hero, Kurt, we don't really get up for the South African games. Mainly because we're busy feeding nah. feeding babies, or we're just tired. So, um, what were you doing at eleven o'clock at night? Anything? I was having a, a wine, uh, listening to some beats. But uh, other than that, I was always going to put my money on the on the Bulls on this one. They were the Rebels. You know, they came out of the gates for the first games of the season as someone that could be the new face of Australian rugby. But I stand by this comment that. The only people making headway in Australian rugby is the women's sevens team. So um, <laughs> we'll uh, continue on barracking for the women's sevens. He's put the he's put the trademark on it. You said it here first. <laughs> as he stands behind yeah. it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. The what? Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really say much other than that. Um, I did learn something about the Bulls jerseys those those couple first weeks though. They're um, promoting their local rugby club. That's why they were yellow and green. Oh, okay. So I thought that was a bit odd, but anyway. Yeah. Each their own. It's a bit strange. Um, mm. Next game, the good rivalry between the Sharks and the Stormers. The Sharks got it done at home, 24-17. to 17. Um, Just a usual usual South African game. Heaps of defense, a lot of kicking. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah, Mike was a bit wrong by uh, following a team based on where they're from and what, how much you like the city. Yes. So he was very wrong there. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I just picked the home team. I thought that was pretty easy. We did have a podcast last week, guys. I better tell you now, but it was just just one of those days where it didn't work. It, it sounded like absolute rubbish, so we had to delete it. It's gone probably on the cloud somewhere. You can probably pick it up, but yeah, we had to delete it. So Mike picked the Stormers. I picked the Sharks, so that's one up for me. And then uh, this afternoon's the Brumbies versus the Jags, which we obviously don't know the result because it's two hours away. So 
Uh, we're doing this on a Sunday. But yeah, uh, um, do we reckon that the Jaguars will go out here? They showed some flair last week. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's a daytime game, so that kind of helps the Jags a bit more because the Brumbies are obviously four dominant. So a bit of a dry deck might help the Jags here. But, I mean, yeah, we'll see how they go, I guess. That's right. We'll see if Pocock starts whinging about getting roughed up in a ruck. Yeah, again. exactly. Just get out of there, though, you cheating. Oh, mate. He's been off off the paddock for a while, and he complains about one one sort of ruck, and it's just like, come on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Anyway, guys, we're going to take a break now. Uh, when we come back, we'll we'll be asking Curtis McGrath, gold medalist, um, some candid questions about his life and uh, his experience losing his legs. Welcome back to High School Hero. We have a special guest today, uh, Curtis McGrath, one of my good friends. Known him for 16 years, went to high school with him. Um, since it's High School Hero, uh, the title of the podcast, Curtis, um, you can relate that I probably was the hero at high school. Um, did did you have any high school hero moments, you thought, in school? I know one in particular. I don't know if you'll remember it. But uh, um, do you have any high school hero moments? High school hero. So uh, I was very competitive at uh, school. So still are, still even are. when it came to, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm competitive, but um, I think my high school hero moment was getting uh, six. So we played social uh, six side cricket, and um, I was not very good at wearing pads, so very social, have a beer, play some cricket. Yeah. Uh, I got six thirties. So you have to retire at thirty in a row, uh, so I was quite proud of that moment. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, I remember uh-huh. one specifically. It was in uh, seventh form, which is year thirteen to the Australians. Um, we had a 100-metre sprint, uh, top eight, after participation during the day. And we were running the race. I was leading it, obviously, as always. Um, but I think the cigarettes and the alcohol really hindered my last 20 metres. And a man called Isaac Tankard passed me. So I was like, bugger it, pulled up short. And then and then you, you ran past me to get second. And I got third. Yeah. I thought that would yeah, have been yeah. probably the most memorable moment, wouldn't it? It was one of those ones. Um, I guess one of those, another moment that I remember when I first got to Queenstown, you go, you guys were like, oh, do you play rugby? Do you play rugby? And I was like, yeah, 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 I play a little bit. And um, you sort of, you guys were sort of testing me about where to put me on the field and whatnot because I was a bit of a lanky bastard coming from Western Australia at the time playing a bit of AFL. Yep. And um, I was just having a bit of a training session and, you got a breakaway, and I, I ran you down and ankle tapped you. Did you? But that's another oh. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> well, it's actually funny because uh, the first time I remember you is at rugby training, and you're obviously a tall man, and you had these nice brown long legs, but you have the you had the shortest shorts on I've ever seen in my life. They were pretty much hot pants. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. But yeah, yeah. It was outrageous. I do, because they're, they're AFL shorts, mate. I come from a... The West Australian, it's quite hot over there, so you try and minimise the uh, clothing coverage. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, speaking of high school, though, um, obviously I remember you from then. We're still friends now, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I remember you in high school, mate. You're, you're obviously a good bloke and very competitive, but I thought you were a little bit little bit naive, maybe a little bit of a pushover sometimes. And... Um, I remember once you joined the army when you were 17 or 18 and we came over to Australia 
and I had a yarn to you and you actually argued with me. And I was like, what the hell is he arguing with me for? Um, <laughs> that's not like Curtis, but I guess my question is now, uh, joining the army, do you do you suggest to young teenagers now to join the army or would you say it's not a good idea? Well, if you took one look at me, most people would be like, oh, I don't know about that, that for a job. But uh, yeah. at the same time, you know, there's a lot of uh, great qualities that you can learn from um, being in the Defence Force, wherever you may be. Um, you know, good respect and discipline and um, you know, being a law-abiding citizen, as most soldiers are, they, you know, they get on with the job and make things happen and achieve goals, which is, um, you know, pretty good for, for everyone involved. So, um yeah, and there's so many jobs in the military as well. That, you know, it's not just you know running around the battlefield with a gun. Um, you know, you've got pilots and mechanics and all these different roles. So it's uh, it's a pretty good good gig, and you get to travel and you get paid to learn your craft as well. So there's yeah. a lot of good in it. And it obviously uh, toughens you up a little bit and makes you a bit more argumentative. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what you're talking about. So, but uh, yeah, uh, I guess we have. Dividing opinions on something sometimes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, we'll just get into a, a few questions, obviously. Um, so when you lost your legs, that was, what? when was that? August 2012, was it? That's right. 2012, and when did you start walking You once you got your prosthetics? Um, yeah, so I made, made sort of a goal during my rehabilitation to be up walking when, when the guys got back from Afghanistan, which is three months after I got injured. Yeah. Um, so I stuck to that and started off doing about five minutes of physio a day and ended up at the end of my time in hospital doing about seven or eight hours a day. So I was pretty focused and took me uh, three months to be out walking um, yeah. post-injury. Um, I was healing quite well, but you know I had a few complications with some nerves and whatnot, but uh, in the end, um, it probably took about a year after first standing up to, to be out walking as, as fluently and as confidently as I am now. Yeah, nice. So obviously um, myself and, and our friend group were obviously amazed with that and you've done a lot of amazing things, obviously winning winning sports events, world championships. Mm. Now, uh, obviously don't take this the wrong way, but, you know, last year, was it last year you talked at the Anzac Parade in front of 20, 30,000? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was last year. And when you make all these achievements, Kurt, we're kind of like, we kind of expect it. We're just like... You know, of of course, of course, Kurt's talking to thirty thousand people, and of course, Kurt's when uh, he wins the Olympics. Um, do you kind of have that same view of yourself when you achieve all these things? Are you kind of like not expected it, but are you not surprised that you're in that position? Um, sometimes, you know, like you work incredibly hard to to make it to the Paralympics, or the Olympics, or even the, you know the World Cups and things like that. So you put in so much work and you can sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel when you get to those events. So to get the success that I had in Rio in particular was, was something special because I had to overcome a, a six-time world champion um, Austrian. So pretty pretty tough to, to beat those sort of people that have been in the sport for a lot longer than you know, I've been a Paralympian. So they... That sort of thing is you, know, you just put in the work and you'll get it done. But for the, the you know, talking to 30-odd thousand people, it's an opportunity that comes up, you know, once in someone's life most of the time. And I've had some amazing opportunities to do amazing things and go to 
all around the world and things like that. So if if you said no and, and didn't do these opportunities, you'd probably never get asked again. So yeah. you've got to continually um, make use of those those great opportunities that come. So, But, uh, yeah, I was shitting myself with that, uh, that Anzac Day talk. But yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, it was a good speech, mate. And obviously, we're we're proud of everything you've done, mate. So, keep doing that. Okay. But we'll keep asking some questions. So, you obviously went to Afghanistan, um, 2012. So, how long were you in the army for before you went there? So, on the 12th of June, uh, 2006, I enlisted, and um, I actually deployed to Afghanistan on that same date in 2012. So, six years to the day. All oh, right. Um, deployed yeah. um, but I've done a number of deployments to uh, East Timor and uh, Malaysia and Indonesia as well so yeah, a nice. few different uh, arenas so what made you go to Afghanistan and um, obviously if the incident didn't happen what was the plan on your return um, so I sort of equate it to being on a sports team and, and you do all the training you're sitting on the bench and um, you never really get asked to come on the field and play you know, or be a part of the, the, the game. So um, when I had a lot of friends that were heading off from different units around the army and um, you know, heading off to Afghanistan and actually getting to use those skills that they'd learnt uh, in their service and, and training in Australia. So, And then when I got the opportunity to go, uh, of course I was going to go and, and, and that's sort of, that's the reason why. Um, but if I didn't get injured, I think I uh, probably would have moved back to good old land of the long white cloud, um, New Zealand, yep. and uh, probably been a police officer. So oh, okay. over there, yeah, something different. I think you even went down that route or explored that option. I did actually. I got uh, hmm. very high marks in the mathematics. Actually, I was quite surprised with mm-hmm. that. Well, I wasn't surprised at all. I'm bloody genius when it comes to numbers, but. Yeah, it's not a bad. I would have not cheated a, and looked at your paper. So. <laughs> not a bad career, uh, for sure. So, I guess my next question is, what would have happened if you didn't lose your legs? And I guess you kind of just answered that by saying you'd go to New Zealand, become a cop. Yep. Would you have speci- Would you just uh, what would you have specialised in? Anything or just a a beat cop where you go around and break up drunk <laughs> drunken fights? I watched um, the other guys the other night, and holy shit, that's a funny movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like probably with that, and um, probably wanted to go into um, armed defender squad or something like that, which is the equivalent of SWAT, or or even just highway patrol. I think uh, there's there's a number of different roles in there, but probably not detective. It's probably not something I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, nice. So forensic accounting, maybe. <laughs> that's that's what I would have ended up in. Uh, my dad would be happy because I'd be an accountant finally. The, the world fail special. Yeah, the other guys. Yeah, that's it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I got sorry. the sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. I've only watched it a few it times. I don't have much time usually. <laughs> but obviously, you're living in the Gold Coast in a nice house in Burley Heads. Um, mm. You got your fiance Rachel. Um, yeah. Oh my God! I just forgot her last name. <laughs> Martin. Rachel Martin. <laughs> yeah. I've known yeah. it, right? Dr. Just, Martin. Yeah, Dr. Martin, that's it. Sorry. Yeah, so obviously she's, she's a doctor. Do you think do you think sometimes your achievements overshadow what, what she's done becoming a doctor or do you try to reassure her that, you know, what she's achieved is pretty amazing as well? Um maybe. I, I guess that my opportunities that have come up at the time of, you know, maybe 
those opportunities wouldn't come to her. But at the same time, you know, she gets to go to work and make someone's day a lot better every single day. And, you know, that's a pretty unique opportunity too. So, but Rachel was an incredible person. And, and when I was in hospital, she was had bought her book. So she was studying in, in uh, Otago University, home of the Highlanders. Uh, yeah, and yeah, <laughs> she um, brought her books over and was studying in, in the hospital room. So incredibly driven and, and, and a, another competitive person. So, um, but we don't, you know, compete accolades because they're on a different sort of uh, area. But um, I always come home with like that, these random questions about uh, medicine that, or, you know, stupid questions that. I, most people don't know, and she looks at me like I'm a fucking idiot. So <laughs> that's all right. Well, to to be fair, I um I I know both of you, and um if you competed against each other, and if she jumped into the sporting world, and if you jumped into the academic world, um there'd be a clear clear winner. It's definitely polar yeah, opposites. Not that you're yeah, dumb. She, Not that you're dumb. Me. You're just you're just more sporty. Um, yeah, well, she she rep hockeyed in in the UK. So, oh, did she? Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, county that's obviously a uh, a big deal over there. Yeah. To be fair, I haven't seen her play any sports. It was just a presumption, but um, yeah, no, she's lost those those talents. Yeah. The skills are the skills are gone. Yeah. So, what's your plan for the future, mate? You're obviously going to get married once everything uh, stops being so busy in your life. And do you have do you plan to have some kids? And how many? Um, I suppose some young whippersnappers uh, would be all right, but uh, that's a long way off because Rach wants to uh, specialise first in, in, in emergency medicine. So, And obviously, I'm not the person carrying the babies around, so yeah. that's going to have to be when she's ready. Yeah. But um, in a couple of years, I'd say that, that'll, that'll come too. But uh, in the future, um, you know, there's a world of opportunities that are out there and and certain sponsors and things like that have uh, opportunities for me with some jobs and things like that in the future. So looking forward to Tokyo at the moment. And you can't look too far ahead. Like obviously, you, you need a little bit of a life plan and um, some goals in there, but you, know, you can't can't make too many goals as well. Otherwise, you won't achieve the, the first one you make. Yeah, true. So when you have kids, do uh, do they come out with legs or are they missing legs? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hadn't thought about this. Might be a question for Rachel Martin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good times. Um, so obviously the the Commonwealth Games were just in Gold Coast, and you were presenter. We talked within our friend group, and you definitely have a face for face for the TV, not radio. Um, so what what sports did you cover, and actually how did that opportunity even come up for you to present at the uh, Commonwealth Games? Yeah, so I'll answer that, that last question first. And it, um, it sort of came about, I was doing some stuff with the Invictus Games, which is a, a Paralympic-style event for wounded, aging, ill soldiers that's coming to Sydney in October. Um, so get your tickets soon. Um, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the uh, production, head of sports production, uh, approached me at an event and asked me what I was up to come Games, and they'd like me to come on board. And I was like, oh, yeah, bloody oath, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, nice. Um, and I uh, sort of came on board not really having any experience in sport TV, which is a bit of a bit of a nervous time as you approach the games. And so it was, it was a great opportunity because I got to be a part of that side of things. Cause my sport is not in the Commonwealth Games. Uh, it's a 
predominantly a European sport, and there's only one or two countries in the whole of Europe that are uh, Commonwealth. So, yeah, um, yeah, I did um, triathlon, rugby sevens, the para powerlifting, bit of athletics, um, with more of a focus around the um, the para athlete side of things. So, got to talk to some amazing individuals like Kurt Fernley and Lauren Parker, who you know have amazing stories and, and have achieved some pretty pretty amazing things but uh the rugby sevens is pretty cool to be a part of that obviously there's no para division of of that sport but um it's you know like we were talking about before a bit of a bit of a new zealand sort of flair and those medal medals in the game so um it was, it was great to watch and great to be a part of yeah the rugby sevens was good obviously um new zealand won both the gold medals you just tell us about when you decided to kayak for a country, you obviously wanted to kayak for New Zealand, but you ended up choosing Australia. What was the reason behind that, mate? Yeah, um, a pretty tough decision, but um, it was a decision. So I started all my um, sort of trials and, and seeing if I had the talent enough to, to sort of make it uh, as a Paralympian for New Zealand. But being a, an Australian soldier, a wounded Australian soldier, the support network that's here is a lot better than what it is internationally. So um, I had to make a tough decision to stay in Australia. And, and I tried you know, competing for New Zealand, but living here, and <clears throat> the further I got into the sport, the, uh, the harder it became. So I had to make that uh, that tough call and it took me about three months. And you know, I, I don't know if you remember the messages, you know, I hit you guys up and yeah. about uh, doing what was best for for myself and, and choosing the the team that was going to support me to in order you know, ensure success so fortunately um there's no new zealanders in my uh class so i'm sort of the token kiwi not really um <laughs> paddling out there do you remember our responses to uh when you asked that question i like i thought i said uh with um tyson i another friend of ours, uh, his response was pretty much what I just said there about, you know, you've got to choose the, the, the team that supports you and for the success for the future. But I, I can't quite remember uh, Mike's because I think that would have been rather interesting. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but uh, you know that Tyson was born in Australia, right? So he's a low-key low key Aussie. He's probably trying to get you. Yeah, yeah. he is a bit, a bit of those turncoats, but as am I, so... Mike yeah. probably Mike probably would have abused you for um, thinking about rowing for Australia or kayaking for Australia, but no, obviously, ob- yeah, obviously definitely. you need that support and um, yeah, so I think you were just kind of if you if you paddle for New Zealand, you would have just been doing it by yourself pretty much, right? So pretty pretty tough yeah. gig once you've just lost your legs and you're trying to get an occupation or a sport and you got to do it by yourself. So yeah, it's a bit of a tough one, and, and you know, funding's a big thing about sport. Um, you know, over here, if you don't play NRL or AFL, um, you don't get that much funding. Even even rugby union suffering at the moment. So, it's if you're picking a sport, especially an Olympic sport, there's there's not much to be had in the way of uh, funding. So, um, I had to choose carefully there. Yeah, nice. There's no chronological way this podcast is going, so I'm just going to go back to your injury, mate. So, you obviously lost your legs. Um, you're in recovery. Uh, you start you started walking again, but I guess the question is, you know, where did you get that motivation to 
you know, want to do good in life, you know, be good at sport, keep driving on because, you know, if I was in your position, I honestly think I'd probably just sit in a wheelchair and bloody watch TV and just be depressed the rest of my life. So, and I think a lot of listeners would be like that too, but what was your motivation to get going and keep living life? Um, so it sort of stems from that, uh, that comment I made on the stretcher about going to the Paralympics and I uh, try try to complete everything that I say. You know, you don't say you're going to do something without having at least a you know a fair crack at trying to get it done. So that was sort of half the reason. But then at the same time, for me to get out there and and compete and and show that I'm still Curtis, I'm still you know active and I like being outdoors and being an athlete and, and able to to do things that every everyone else can do is, is another reason why um, I sort of push myself towards you know, getting the most out of my body. And um, I was at the right, you know, I was 24 when I got injured. So I was at the right age to sort of biomechanically be strong and, and fit and able to go fast and long or whichever is required. So uh, you're going to make use of that opportunity again uh, to, to you know, best, get the best result for yourself so um yeah yeah just using it no well it's funny when when i when we came and saw you in hospital for the first time you know we looked straight in your eyes and you looked exactly the same it's just you were missing your legs so you know your personality a bit skinnier too yeah yeah a little bit skinny Uh, (laughs) so you obviously looked the same and had the same personality apart from obviously just going through a traumatic experience but no, we're glad you we're glad you powered on, mate, and um, achieved everything you have. Which leads me to a question. I don't know if it's inappropriate or not, but um, do you think maybe your life's life's better without legs? You know, has this accident made your life better, or yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe so. You know, there's uh, certain things that have have come up that you know, like talking to thirty or forty thousand people at um, the Dawn Parade. Uh, dawn service in, in Canberra last year or help commentating and, and presenting for Channel 7, like that would not have come about if I had you know, not been injured. Um, sure, life would be a little bit more routine, a little bit um, more nine to five, you could say, But and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's certain opportunities that pop up now and you're like, oh, yeah, I could do that. That'd be awesome. So yeah. you know, travelling around the world and, and competing for whichever country is, you know, it's good fun and, and you make great friends. Um, it definitely gives you a different perspective on things as well. Um, you know, like that was a pretty bad day on the 23rd of August in yeah. 2012. And um, now I think I've you know, grown as a person and become a better person uh, because of that too. Yeah, that's a, that's a good perspective. And I think me and you are the same where we, you know, think things happen for a reason. So obviously it's, it's not a good thing that happened, but, you know, maybe it is in the end, but I think we're both both on the same belief that things happen for a reason, and this has happened to you, and you've you've made the most of it, mate. So, well done for that. Yeah, definitely. All right, mate. So we're just going to lighten things up before I let you go. I'm just going to give you a um, two scenarios, whatever which one you like best. Um, so we're going to start with um, beach or farm. Farm. Uh, pie or sausage roll. Oh, it can't be a good pie. That's true. Aussie pies are getting better too. I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah. Sam Kane or Matt Todd? 
Matt Todd. <laughs> Crusaders. <laughs> uh, PlayStation or Xbox? Uh, PlayStation, man. Volkswagen or Jaguar? <laughs> Ooh, I think uh, Jaguar's, Jaguar's a good ride at the moment. <laughs> they are your sponsor, so you'd hope you'd say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blonde or brunette? Brunette. Oh, your missus is redhead, though. Yeah, I know. You didn't give me that option, did you? Oh, I thought you would have overrid <laughs> me there. Um, yeah. Girls or boys? What? <laughs> <laughs> Men or women? <laughs> Woman, <laughs> unless it's Saturday, obviously, because Saturday are for the boys. Yeah, yeah, true, true. And the last one, Richie McCaw or Ben Roberts Smith. Oh, depends on what you're doing with them, I guess. If you charge a machine guns and slam people, I think you want to Ben RS on your on your side. But uh, man did play a whole World Cup with a broken foot, so Richie McCaw's a bit of a it's just, it's, just, it's just who you prefer, really. What do you like better? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think Ben's a bit more easy going, so Ben Robert Smith. He's a lot bigger too. I don't know who would win a fight in that either, because Richie's quite a strong. Oh, man. yeah, but Ben has killed people, so <laughs> <laughs> he has some experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but anyway, mate, thanks for joining me today, Curtis McGrath. Gold medalist Paralympian uh, in the K1 or K2, 200 metres? K1, it's a single person kite. Oh, yeah. Apologies for that. Apologies. I should ask you more questions as a friend, but obviously I don't. <laughs> but thanks for joining me, mate. It's been a great podcast, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, just remember to like us, rate us, and share us on Apple Podcasts and also Facebook at High School Hero Podcast. So, Kurt, thanks once again for coming on, mate. No, thank you. Cheers. We out.